1: back to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm Thomas Camp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, let's jump right into it. We actually did have some major news come out this week. Uh, Florida freshman basketball player Scotty Lewis will return to school. I guess first off, what's your initial impression? Were you surprised by this move?
2: Uh, You know, not necessarily. I I think he's done a lot of things showing what he can do, and obviously he's a big-time player, but... You know, I think in the grand scheme of things and looking at basketball and seeing, you know, what those guys who come in, those five-star players who come in and have these, you know, big years, obviously being that a season was cut short, I think that probably had to do a lot of things there. So I don't know that I was necessarily surprised there, but there is a little surprise, I guess you could say, because I I don't know, it it just has become a little bit of a foregone conclusion to me that, you know, those – top 10 five-star basketball players are pretty much all one and done, so I guess in some sense there was some surprise with that just because, you, I, I don't know, it's kind of a no-brainer when you think that, but I think whenever you factor, this is obviously a different year, and you have the season cut short like it did, there was, that's where it kind of took the surprise a little bit away from me.
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, going into the year, you certainly figured he was going to be a one-and-done type, and I think, uh, I think the lack of a postseason probably played into his decision quite a bit, you know, just parsing through kind of his announcement and the way he did it, you know, he basically said we have unfinished business. And I think, um, I don't, I'm not sure that he was as slam dunk a prospect uh, as maybe we would have thought essentially, you know I mean? He probably is a guy that gets drafted just based on his athleticism, based on uh, really having some, some immense upside based on that athleticism. But to me, we were talking about it a little bit before we sh- started the podcast. He, he's just a little bit raw offensively. You know, you see some glimmers in some of these games, um, I'm forgetting which one offhand, but he, he had one really good offensive game where you started to see him put it together. Um, but those Kentucky, really weren't
2: that final against Kentucky was his best game.
1: There you go. And, and Season it's high 19. It's just not consistent from him yet, and I think with another year in college, uh, you can really start to work on that. Again, assuming they're able to get back in the gym at some point uh, and really start to practice. But I, I think this move, for me, it – It says a couple things about the program. For one, I think it's surprising because for whatever noise has been out there about, you know, has Mike White lost the team? You know, I think there's a lot of angst in the fan base about, you know, that he hasn't quite been able to get the players to respond the way that he wants to. And he'll be the first one to tell you that in these press conferences. Um, But to me, Scotty Lewis wouldn't return if he didn't have confidence in Mike White. And so for me, that's a big that's a big deal because it it at least proves that they're willing to work with him and that they're listening to him. Um, I don't know am I, am I off am I off in the th- in thinking that? No, I think
2: that's a good point. And it's not something I really thought of, but you know the noise is out there, and I think it shows. I don't know. I mean, you can talk it up in, in player interviews, and you know you can kind of paint things that you know it's all rainbows and sunshines, and you know we're all fighting as one team. But some of those guys have to hear that noise of. You know, just the talk of the coach, you know, is he going to be there? You know, I'm sure players all get on Twitter and see all these things. So I do think it says something because I think it shows that there is that nucleus in the locker room um, and that maybe there is some gas in the tank. You know, I I think a lot of the criticism that Mike White does get, I think, is a little bit warranted. I think this past season – you know there were a really high expectations. I don't know if those are maybe you know too inflated as preseason rankings or what it was, but I think that on paper Florida had a really talented team this year. So I do think there was a little bit of you know kind of the lead let out in, in the fan base and just kind of just the expectations there. But I think it does say something. I think you really did bring up a good point, just saying that you know the players certainly seem to be buying in, um, however you want to put that. But I mean he's coming back. I mean it says a lot. I think.
1: Actions yeah, mean, speak louder than words. No, they do. And and Mike White has been frank that he he likes his guys he likes the commitment level that they have and all that um so it does it just makes you wonder what's the disconnect you know in trying to figure out where florida's going you have to figure out why things are playing out the way they are and and maybe it boils down to coaching maybe mike white's not a great coach who knows um I do think you could make the case that Florida was an extremely young team still this year. I know that, you know, that's kind of been the line out of the program that, you know, they had, you know, they, they still had three sophomores starting. Uh, you had to figure out how Carrie Blackshear was going to fit in with your team this year. And I, I just think I, I keep going back to identity, man. Like I think Florida needs to have an actual identity and you recruit to that. You don't stray from it just because you don't get a certain guy. Um, I just think this this team. It took so long for them to figure out what they were trying to do and what they wanted to be. That yeah, they came up short of expectations. And and again, we don't know how things would have played out. They were going to make the NCAA tournament. Who knows? They could have made a run there. But I, I look at it and and I see from the program side, everybody still believes in Mike White. Um, talking, you know, I'm talking from from down to Scott Strickland to the players themselves. Um, I, I, I do think it would be a good idea to have some changes within the program. But when you have guys like Lewis coming back, you know, that says a lot to me. And I I think the bigger question is kind of going back to what you said. When you have these five-star talent types coming in, why are they not turning into NBA draft picks? Like, that's that's the question. Why are they not turning into NBA draft picks? Because, Blake, I look back at Florida's NBA draft history. You know the last time Florida had a guy drafted, period? Not first round, just drafted. Eric Murphy? That's the one. 2013, man. That is a long time. For a basketball program that's as good as Florida's is and has elevated itself with a pair back to back national titles into being in that national conversation to not have an NBA draft pick. I mean, that's that's I understand it's not football where there's seven rounds, but that's a long, long time. Um, And so at some point, Florida's got to figure out, okay, we're at least landing these five star types. Why are they not turning into NBA draft picks? And, And to me. One of the other issues I have with Mike White is there's not a whole lot of players that you can point to and say that guy's gotten significantly better since he arrived. Now, there are some. I think Keontae Johnson would be your number one example of a guy that is clearly getting better and better and better under Mike White. Um, But the question for me is, is, okay, Lewis is coming back for his sophomore season. What's that look like? Because I think you can point down to player development. And if he continues to develop and turns into, you know, the kind of player that everybody kind of envisioned when he arrived, Then I think you start to have a little bit more confidence in Mike White and and somewhat of the direction of the program.
2: Yeah, I think next season is really going to be pivotal for Florida. Obviously, the the postseason was cut short. So, you know, you never know what could happen in the postseason. And obviously, Florida does have, you know, some of those games where, you know, you don't expect them to get through and they do. And, you know, it does seem that Mike White and the Gators do kind of get that little bit of a pickup in the postseason. I don't necessarily saying that they're, you know, rolling in there every year. Um, But you can see the production more than the losses there. So I think at this point, the biggest thing is just next season. It's really pivotal in the sense that the expectations were very high this season coming into the season. Obviously, Kerry Blackshear. You know who knows what's going to go on there. But for the most part depending on who comes back for Florida this year to kind of join Scotty Lewis, they're still going to have a lot of talent that comes back there. So, I mean, Mike White is still recruited really well. Um, So I I think that next season it's really that make-or-break season because the noise is starting to creep in now. You know, those expectations were set really high this season. I don't know that you're going to see them again next year because it, it seemed like there was a little bit of a reality check with just kind of how things panned out. And like you said, Mike White and the Gators really haven't shown that identity. I think, first and foremost, I think that's key for them. Bringing a lot of these guys to build around Scotty Lewis back, and I think next year is going to be really key for Mike White because, like you said, there are a lot of people who support Mike White. You know, all the way down to Scott Strickland, who, in the end of the day, that's his opinion matters the most. But I think that noise is starting to creep in, and that's where you start to get that doubt, and that's where these you know hot seats, ste- hot seats start to heat up.
1: Yeah, well, let's talk about what's coming back because, we're, you know, Lewis is coming back, but we're not entirely sure that Florida is completely out of the water with sure. some of the other guys. Uh, I think the two that everybody is obviously watching are Keontae Johnson and Andrew Nemhard. Um, for me personally, based on what I've heard, uh, I would think Nemhard would be more likely to consider leaving, uh, whether that's for the NBA or, or you know, playing abroad. Uh, I'm not sure, but he's a guy that tested the NBA draft waters last year. And, and really, Blake, I know that Nemhard's kind of been a source of contention for a lot of Florida fans when you talk to them because, again, I think it goes back to that identity. I think when Mike White arrived, you had this idea that Florida was going to run up and down the floor, and then you look at you know his most successful team. Uh, they, they weren't that breakneck pace with Chris Gioza, but they did run it a little bit more than they do with Nemhard. and Nemhard, for whatever reason, uh, just isn't – he's not that kind of athlete where he's comfortable doing that all the time. Um, and they certainly do it in spurts. They push the ball here and there. Uh, but generally speaking, he's more comfortable operating in kind of that half court offense. And then I think, you know, when you added a big, like Kerry Blackshear, you know, he's, he's not a guy that's great in transition. He's, he's definitely more of a, you know, set up back, back, back in, down the post and, and create offense that way. So I think the makeup has the potential to be significantly different, particularly if Nemhard leaves. Um, I could see Florida being, you know, much more pacey on offense if he leaves, um, I don't know, Blake. What's what's the outlook look like to you now that Lewis is back? Just in terms of what Florida has coming back.
2: You know, I I think it's positive. You know, you bring a player like that back, um, and it kind of could build. You know, it, it it certainly helps with these guys like that you mentioned that are kind of on the fence. You know, when you have some kind of idea of who's coming back, and and there's familiarity there there's unfinished business you know this season I think is what made it really interesting for a lot of these guys like Andrew Nimhardt who like you said tested the waters last year is the loss of the season and the loss of the postseason SEC tournament is that enough to make you return I think that's what makes it so different this year and it adds just such a different different dynamic whereas you know if they played the postseason and regardless of how they did I think Nemhard is a guy that does seriously test those professional waters and not to say that he's not now but I think the loss of the season just cr- creates a little bit more of a maybe not so much of a kind of a sure thing if you want to call it that and maybe sure. brings a little bit more of that you know intrigue and you know what's he going to do type of thing to the decision so I think the outlook is positive seeing that you know Mike White is like you said doesn't seem like he's completely lost the locker room that, you know, I think, you know, returning Scotty Lewis like that does say something, but I think you need a couple of more of those guys to come back. I think to really kind of have a really solid idea and, and really be kind of pumped up for this season next year. Um, I think if some of those guys leave, I think we're having a little bit of a different conversation.
1: Yeah, I think to me, I look at it. There's two things that kind of stand out to me about the the, the general roster makeup heading into uh, next season. And I think one you lose Kerry Blackshear, uh, 12.8 points a game, uh, pretty good rebounder, seven and a half rebounds a game. Uh, that's going to be production that you have to replace. And quite frankly, Omar Payne showed some significant upside as a freshman, but he was a little bit, um, uh, I don't, I don't want to say the wrong words, but he, he was hard to coach at times. You know, once he had that big game against Auburn, he, uh, Coach Mike White just couldn't get through to him quite as much. Um, he stopped doing the things that got him to that level. He's a guy that if Florida is going to be, you know, as good as they were this year or better, um, he has got to play better. He's got to be more mentally there and ready and be willing and and take coaching um, because he's a guy that I think defensively he can keep you in a lot of games with what he offers defensively. I'm not sure he's going to be a prolific scorer at any point in his career. Obviously, you know, an elite athlete who can dunk it around the rim. Um, but he doesn't have kind of the all-around game that Kerry Blackshear had. So without that presence in the post, I think Florida is going to be a little bit more reliant on shooting. And that's, that's always kind of a question mark. You know, they've got some good guys. Uh, if, if Keontae Johnson returns and can take the next step, maybe he helps replace some of that inside scoring. Um, but I, it's going to be a different outlook for the team. I, I just think you're going to be a little bit more reliant on scorers, uh, you know, on your shooters. And I think Trey Mann is a guy that maybe if he develops quite a bit, can offer you a little bit more than Nemhard in terms of uh, creativity in the way that they score and, and shaking up the offense. But I look at the pieces coming in and, and they're pretty good. I mean, you're returning a lot of good guys. If you return, you know, Keontae and Noah Locke, Scotty Lewis, Trey Mann, Omar Payne, I mean, you've got a very, very solid core there. Um, and then you add a shooter like Samson Resne- Reshensive. i am never, it'll take a while. Uh, but he's, he's really widely regarded as one of the best shooters in the entire class. So Um, as you shift to, you know, that outlook where maybe you're playing a little bit more around the perimeter, you know, trying to go a little bit more up tempo to create open looks uh, that could work for this, this team next year. I I don't see, you know, if there's a hole, I think it is probably in the front court, but then again, you add Anthony DeRuji, a really, really athletic uh, big man from Louisiana tech. And uh, you know, it fills some of those holes. So I I like what Florida has coming back and you know, that, the real hang up is that Florida hasn't reached its potential the last couple of years. And so you have that question mark about can they finally do it? Is it a Mike White issue? Um, I think I think you're starting to see that national outlets are maybe slowing a little bit down on Florida based on that. You know, a lot of the uh, way too early top 25 rankings and stuff have Florida outside of the top 25. Now, that was projecting that Lewis would leave. So I, I think Florida will enter the top 25 before next season starts with what they've got back. Um, but this is going to be a year where they, like you said, they really just – they've got to go out and prove it.
2: I think that's the key. You know, you can talk preseason rankings and you can talk all that. I mean, first question, first step here is seeing who comes back and what you've got, obviously. You have to see what your pieces are. But I think next year there's going to be a lot of eyes on the progression these guys make, and there's going to be a lot of eyes on the season. And just I think Mike White is going to have a – I don't want to say he's got a target on his back like people are going to be coming after him but I think that it, the, the doubt is creeping in and I think they're just going to, there's going to be a different way that people are looking at him maybe than they have throughout the other games that he's had in his
1: career. Well, and at some point you just you got to break through. I mean, and this is Florida. This is a program where eventually you're expected to win an SEC title, you're expected to make deep runs in March. He's done one of those. You know, he had an elite 8 run in his second year, but at this point, you know, uh, the proof will be in the pudding and and he's certainly got the pieces to work with, so it's going to be on Florida next year to to finally start to live up to that potential. All right, Blake, let's take a quick break. Uh, We're going to shift gears entirely and and get into some college football recruiting. Uh, I know it's been a weird period with the, you know, the kind of shutdown and restrictions that the coaches have going on, Uh, but schools are still out there landing commitments. So let's talk about it right after this break.
3: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what?
1: Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. We're going to shift gears after talking a little bit of college hoops. Blake, uh, there's been some commitments in recent days, and I know it's kind of a confusing time in recruiting right now because, uh, you know, things are a little bit in that dead period, but, you know, schools are still having contact with some players. Uh, Can you fill us in on some recent commitments that maybe were from targets that were eyeing Florida at least?
2: Sure. I, I, obviously, they didn't go the Gators' way on these two, um, but some recent commitments of targets that are you know, now off the board. Four-star offensive tackle Michael Morris uh, out of Camden County up in South Georgia. Uh, he just committed to the in-state Georgia Bulldogs. Not necessarily a surprise there. I mean, he's been pretty heavily linked to the Bulldogs. They were the team to beat when Sam Pittman was the offensive line coach there. I think the hiccup there that kind of opened the door somewhat, if you want to call it that, was him obviously going to Arkansas. You bring Matt Luke in. Um, didn't really take very long. I mean, I think Florida probably pit- – finished second here. He's been on campus a lot and Camden County is only like an hour and a half away from Gainesville. So, um, you know, that, that was a pretty big loss for Florida. And I say that in the sense of, you know, it's not a really deep and talented, uh, in-state offensive line class this year, um, of the guys that, you know, the one guy in state that Florida ha- has landed a commitment from, they haven't really offered very many of these other guys that are in-state guys. So I think now that you're seeing some of these offensive linemen that are maybe a little bit of a question mark on, you know, where Florida kind of stands there. I think this is a bit of a loss to where you look at where this dead period comes in and the loss of spring football because Florida's not going to be able to get out and go see these guys because John Hevesy is big on camping. Um, or, you know, if, if you're not coming to camp in the summer, I'm going to go see you and practice in the spring. It's He's a very. Pretty heavy on evaluation, so mm-hmm. I think the loss of the spring was really a big there, a big blow there, and I say that because Micah Morris was one of Florida's top guys. Um, another uh, recently guy to come off the board is four-star running back, uh, Lovacy Carroll. He's a Georgia guy originally, but he's living in Florida now, attending IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. He's a four-star running back, um, committed to the Georgia Bulldogs, um, but had recently named Florida his leader. Um, I just never really quite bought it. I mean, I thought Florida was definitely in the mix. Um, I I mean, if I would have really bought that, I probably would have put in a 24-7 sports crystal ball on him. I I just – I – Kind of thought there was still some play there, and there's still some visits to be taken. Um, but in the same sense, I thought that if if Florida wasn't going to land a Zach Evans, I thought that that was the guy you turned the page to, and I thought that was probably the guy that Florida had at least identified because again, it's it's another position that's not really deep in the state of Florida this year. So I think that was a bit of a blow there, and maybe the sense of timing because I think if you were looking at you know getting kind of playing devil, devil's devil's advocate here, but if you get Zach Evans in sometime in the summer or early fall. You could have leaned back. If, if it didn't happen, you could have leaned back on Carroll making an August 6th-type commitment. Obviously, Florida was still keeping in touch there. So I think timing kind of hurts Florida here. Um, he did announce whenever he did commit to Georgia that he was still going to take all five of his official visits. I'd be pretty shocked if Florida wasn't a visit if he continues to kind of stick to that idea of taking visits because I'm sure Georgia is obviously going to try to get him to not take visits down the road. So uh, two guys off the board for Florida there. So I, I think it's an interesting position now because Florida really wasn't in the – in the need category for a running back if they can land a guy like zach evans as a late add to the 2020 class i don't know that it's really still a big position considering the guys have on the roster you have a commitment from a guy like brashard smith who the staff is seeing as an all-purpose back but i think if you could have got a guy like uh, love Carroll, if you didn't get zach evans i think it was good having somewhat of a backup plan or a backup idea there so obviously that's a blow for florida if they wanted to kind of turn the page there
1: like uh I got a question for you. Are you concerned at all that uh, it's been basically a month for Florida now without a commitment? You know, I, I don't know that it's necessarily a
2: concern for me because I, I think that there has been a little bit of some stagnant on the recruiting chart for Florida, and I think that just becomes off of they had such a big junior day and they had a big one in February and they've had some commitments on board, um, you know, in the early part of the spring there. But Florida's had a lot, of, a heavy number of commitments compared to some of these other schools.
1: Right, and I think that in the, right now. sure,
2: and I think a lot of these schools you're seeing commitments for. You know, I mean, George, I think at one point had like two or three commitments, and obviously they need to kind of start filling up their class. So I don't know that it's necessarily something you shit the panic button on, because again, Florida has done a good job of kind of filling their needs and getting that solid nucleus of their class. Um, you know, just kind of having 13 guys in the fold right now. I do think that a lot of these guys that you're seeing commit are guys that are necessarily saving a spot. And I don't mean that they're not solid in their commitment, but they're still going to take visits down the line. And I think that it's kind of one of those deals where you're not getting all these visits that you were going to think you were going to get in the spring. Obviously guys were going to be taking official visits in, you know, April and seeing these spring games and spring practices and maybe even carrying some of their official visits into June, which is still kind of tossed up in the air if this dead period does stretch there. So I think the uncertainty of these guys who are planning on making a decision and, and Locking in their commitments in their spot necessarily, and you know, maybe August are kind of feeling a little bit of the stress there, and they're kind of locking their spots in early. obviously, a lot of these schools you know like a Georgia um, that wants to start to get some momentum on the trail because they don't maybe have as many commitments as you know another school like Florida or Ohio State or you know even North Carolina, those kind of schools. so I think that there is so, a little bit more of a panic button for those schools in the sense they want to start adding some guys. And George is doing a great job, you know, leaning a guy like Micah Morris and then Carroll and their net, you know, in back to back days. I mean, that's good. That's getting them some momentum there. So, I think that's where it's kind of halted Florida because they're not being talked about. I feel like recruitment a lot of times is just, you know, how people look at things and, and kind of how they perceive things. And I think when you're not seeing Florida laying these commitments, Mind you, they are keeping in touch every day with a lot of their top targets. They're, you know, FaceTiming them. You know, they're staying on top of things. Florida's uh, graphics department is putting out a ton of edits, and, you know, kids really like those things, seeing their faces on, you know, different pictures and things Mm -hmm. like that. So, I mean, they're staying after it. I think that it does when you look at the grand picture of things and you see these schools landing commitments, I see the sense of, you know, where some of these fans, obviously, you know, they want nice things too. They want to land commitments, but I think Florida is in a little bit of a better position because they do have a big bulk of their class and they are shooting for some of these guys that are planning to make a decision much later in the process. So there's some give and take there, but you know, I, like I said, I don't know that I would hit panic mode or worry about things because I do think Florida has a really good class and a lot of big time guys on their board. But I get the sense of where you look at these other schools and you're seeing Georgias and you're seeing LSU's and you're seeing Ohio State's landing kids and fans wanting to you know kind of get in the fun too.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you, uh, first off, let's let's be clear here. Florida has the number four ranked class in the nation right now and the number one class in the SEC. So things are certainly not dire by any stretch of the imagination. It's more just. uh you know we we had some questions that we answered in our Q and a last time about the momentum within Florida recruiting and and obviously, there's always peaks and valleys as you go through a recruiting cycle. Uh, I think it's fair to say that Florida's you know kind of in one of those slight valleys right now where there's maybe not a lot of positive news going around. Uh, But when you look at the class as a whole, it is a really good class. So, Blake, let me ask you, because we're kind of talking about the numbers as well. Florida has 13 commits. You look at the teams that are right now 1, 2, and 3. They're at 15, 10, 12. So they are classes that have the bulk of their class kind of already in place. The guys that are trailing typically have less commits. Georgia only has six commits. Texas only has six commits. Some of these teams that are out there are going to have the potential to add significant pieces to their class. What does Florida have to do to kind of maintain this range right now? Because this is this is where Florida fans want to see the Gators. They want to see Florida finish with a number four class, you know, with a class that's in the top three or four in the SEC. Uh, so far, they haven't really been able to do that. It's been more towards the back of the top ten range. Um, what, what does Florida have to do from here to, to kind of maintain this area?
2: You know, I think it's just continuing to stay in the mix for a lot of these top targets, um, and I mean – you know, guys that are going to continue to keep you up in those top tier rankings. You know, whenever you add in their score of what they're going to do for your recruiting class score, you know, guys like Leonard Taylor, Jason Marshall, you know, two five star players that Florida's in the mix for. Um, a top one, or excuse me, a, a number one outside linebacker, a top ten player, in Xavier Sori, um, out of Graceville that Florida's in a battle with. You know, guys like Alabama and Georgia for. Um, you know, there there are a lot of top tier guys that are still on Florida's board. Um, you know, Jacory Brooks of a five star wide receiver out of South Florida, a top. 247 player and, and a guy like Keanu Coat, um, a top 100 defensive end uh, to Namisha Adele. Um, you know, there are a lot of guys that are still high level players that are on Florida's board. So I think staying in the mix with those guys, a lot of those guys, if you look at their recruitments, um, Florida is either high up on their list or they're, you know, considered possibly the team to beat at this juncture. So I think. A lot of these guys aren't going to be making commitments as early as you like. And sure, you know, the coaching staff is going to kind of try to figure out ways to, you know, obviously get them on board earlier if they can and just continue to kind of sell their program and sell themselves and build those bonds. But, you know, I think for this, Florida is going to have to continue to add, you know, kind of those middle meat kind of guys, upper tier kind of your upper-middle guys and your middle guys. You're not necessarily taking care of the back end of your class. Continue to add those guys as you're waiting for the elite guys, but at the same time, you have to worry about you know those five-star, top 100, top 50-type players in the same sense. So I think at this point, Florida needs to continue to keep adding those four-star-type players, those top 247, top 300 types, while also addressing you know these upper-tier top targets that they still have.
1: Yeah, and I think if you're looking at it, it could be to your advantage to already have 13 commits right now. I mean, you can really focus more on some of those truly elite five-star types that you're talking about. You know, the guys out of Palmetto. Uh, you can really, really focus on that. I think that, you know, the the tricky part for me is I always see Florida staff, uh, since they've been here, as being really good when they're getting FaceTime with guys. Like, I think that they do a pretty good job selling once they have guys on campus. And certainly, you know, the big junior days, you know, point to that and some of the, the previous you know, when they get guys, you know, around campus for visits for games, they do really well. It's when you have, you know, the quieter periods where the coaches are having to work the phone that to me, Florida, that's where they probably need to make up a little ground on some of these other programs like Georgia and, and Alabama, you know, the schools that it doesn't matter what part of the recruiting period it is, it seems like they always seem to have pretty strong momentum.
2: Yeah, but you know, I also say in the same sense too, where you're seeing these schools like I know I'm comparing these guys to Florida recruiting, but a school like Kansas that's having virtual junior days all day, or you know, schools like Texas A&M that are doing like Madden tournaments online with a lot of these kids, or um, if you have, I think it's uh, Texas is doing like virtual in-home visits. Yeah. I just don't think that kids in the state of Florida, where Florida has a lot of their targets, I just don't think these kids in the state of Florida really care about that stuff. I think they think things yeah. like that are corny. I think those yeah. are the guys that want to do FaceTime calls. They want to see their picture on, you know iron man (laughs) you know what I mean like they want to be like in these cool kind of edits of you know I've seen Florida having kids sit on the war on like the like the earth or they've been like put into like cartoon type of like characters or stuff like that I mean like kids they tweet all that stuff they put it on their Instagram I mean those things kids think are cool you know they really like those things they I think in this point where you have a lot of guys in your class a lot of your top targets have been on campus one or maybe even two times this year if not they were on campus a lot last year I don't know that Florida really has to do those, you know, really in your face things. Don't get me wrong, I'm sure fans think they're cool, but I think Florida at this point, they don't really need to do a lot of those loud things because they built those bonds. It's about continuing to build upon those bonds and at the very least maintaining those bonds while you're in this dead period of time because I agree with you absolutely. Florida really shines in those in-person, you know, game day, selling the swamp, you know, being there on junior days, they do really well in front of families. You know, I I think that's where Florida really excels. So keeping up with these guys on FaceTime and just making sure they see your face, continue to talk to them as much as you possibly can. Um, And a lot of these kids are even calling the coaches because I mean, they're sitting at home bored too. So I mean, these guys have nothing to do but call coaches in the same sense. And Florida coaches and all coaches around the country are also sitting at home and have nothing to do but talk to their players, look over game film, and make a you know plan of whatever you're going to do if you get a season next year and recruit, recruit, recruit. So I think that that's where a lot of these things are. Just keeping up on Facetime, being in front of these kids, continue to build on the relationships, talk with mom, talk with dad, continue to just kind of just inch yourself into those commitments and, and or at least edging closer to those type of commitments. So I don't know that Florida really has to do all those like you know kind of bells and whistles type things. Sure, it would. I guess help if you're, you know, playing on Xbox or something with a kid like that. But I, I don't know, man. I just it seems like Florida's kind of doing what I think is. I, I think they should be doing, and I think that should continue to kind of build off the relationships they've already built.
1: Yeah, Blake, wanna talk, talking about some of the edits that Florida has done because I think that's an area they've attacked it really aggressively. Uh, one of the most creative ones I saw was I, I don't even remember the athlete that it was, uh, but he quote tweeted a tweet that said, uh, "You know, who's the fastest athlete you've ever seen?" And he, he quote tweeted it with me. Well, Florida sent him an edit uh, where he's in his high school jersey looking at a mirror. And in the mirror back, it's a picture from him on his official visit in a Gators jersey. And it was like, uh, you know, Florida, the fastest team in the country or something like that. It was something along those lines. Yeah, it was uh, a quote cool
2: a four-star wide receiver, Christian Leary. who has been compared to a Percy Harvin type. So they kind of had Percy Harvin in the back of the edit, too. I think if I'm talking about the same okay, edit. Yeah, yeah, about.
1: Yeah, no, he had Percy definitely.
2: Harvin in there. He's, ty- he's that type of player that's, you know, track, speed, fast. Um, you know, he, he's, he's being recruited to Florida as a slot receiver with that, you know, Percy Harvin type position. So it was a quote tweet of him saying, you know, who's the fastest player. And he said me, and he had that in the background, but he also had the picture of him also while having like Percy Harvin kind of in the backfield too. So, I mean, kids, kids are getting at it. it's all over the place.
1: Yeah, it's pretty cool. I just thought that one was, was particularly creative, but, uh, Blake, I'll open it up to you if you got anything else you want to cover with recruiting before we sign off here.
2: Yeah. You know, just a couple of. You know, top list that some kids have put out a top 100 uh, linebacker in Jeremiah Williams. Um, he's out of Alabama. He has Florida in his top eight. Big reason there is Christian Robinson. They're really close. Um, they're recruiting him really hard. I think it's going to be tough for Florida to pull him out of state, but I think that their first visit went really well. And he's talking about you know. When these visits open up down the road, um, Florida is the place where he wants to get back to. And I think if you can get him on an unofficial visit, you can get him on for an official visit later on. Um, I think it brings Florida a little bit more of a legitimate contender for you know you want to get those out of state guys on campus as much as you can. Another guy who's a big target for Florida in um, the defensive back at safety is Terry on Arnold. Um, He's a four-star composite player out of Tallahassee, Florida. Um, big-time guy for Florida in the sense that they've offered him football already. You know, Ron English is in touch with him every day. They talk a lot of film, but Florida's also offered him a chance to play basketball too. So, I mean, I think that that shows the level of interest there whenever you're offering a guy a chance to play two sports. Um, another defensive back, Latrell McCutcheon out of Texas, a uh, former Alabama commit. He's opened things up. I think Oklahoma right now is probably the team to beat, but he's mentioning that he's talking to Florida every day. Obviously, Florida had some uh, really good success last year in the state of Texas recruiting defensive backs. Torian Gray has some ties there. Brian Johnson has some ties there. So Florida's continuing to show that Texas is going to be part of their recruiting footprint, and I, they're putting some effort there for Latrell McCutcheon. Key there, obviously, is getting him on campus. He hasn't been on campus, but... Uh, it certainly seems that Florida's in the hunt for an official visit. Uh, another linebacker, uh, Jamon Dumas Johnson. Um, he is uh, out of Baltimore. He plays for St. Francis Academy, which is one of the top high schools in the entire country. Uh, he was on campus on March seventh. I-, I Florida's in a good place there. Um, he's getting some attention. He just got an offer from Auburn here recently. Georgia is still keeping up with him. So he's got some eyes on him, but I think Florida's in good mix there with just getting him on campus already. Um, kind of sort of be kind of blow up, you know, before he's kind of blown up more and get some of these big offers. Um, and also, Florida has reached out to a Mississippi State defensive line transfer and Fabian Lovett. Uh, he decided to transfer here recently from Mississippi State. Um, Florida, Florida State, Ole Miss, uh, there's plenty of other schools too that have been in touch. Uh, Florida is kind of doing their homework here I think that they're pretty pleased with what they signed last year on the recruiting trail on the defensive line and just kind of some of the pieces they have here and you know even some of the pieces they're in play for in 2021 so they're obviously doing their homework I think it's good that Fabian isn't looking to make a decision super quickly with you know all the you know coronavirus and dead period and all this that going on I think he wants to take some visits there but I think he's a good player that you know an SEC guy who made a statement in his freshman year so I mean if he's kind of in an evaluation period and Florida's kind of figuring out where things are with numbers and where they're at. Um, I think he'd be a really good guy to kind of, I mean, if you're looking at a guy now that you're maybe not all the way, you know, balls to the walls, recruiting this guy, I think he's shown that he has enough production to be a, a very good player. If Florida does want to go down that uh, road. All
1: right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, we thank you for tuning in. Be sure to visit swamp 24, com. uh, show some support. Uh, it's tough times for everybody right now. I know. Uh, but we definitely appreciate everything you guys read. Uh, it helps help us keep our job, you know, um Blake does a fantastic job keeping you up to date with recruiting and uh certainly you know myself and Bob Redman are doing everything we can to keep you up to date with the latest impacts of the coronavirus on the you know the sports landscape so uh, again guys thanks for tuning in we'll be back next week